1: The book is titled Always Will. And my author, who joins me from, I believe it's Arizona, somewhere in the uh, western part of the United States, is Lale Mazzi. Welcome to the program, Laleh.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: It is uh, wonderful to visit with you. I ha- understand you have written other books, uh, two to be exact, that have been published. This is your third novel. And for my listeners who might be uh, curious about this. Is,
2: this, this is my- Second novel.
1: Second novel. Second novel.
2: Yeah. Your
1: second novel, but you are still a teenager. And uh, you, when when was your first novel written? How old were you then?
2: I started when I was nine, and then I um, completed the
1: novel at age twelve. At age twelve, how did you become interested in being an author? What what made you curious and uh, imaginative?
2: Well, um, I've always loved to read and I always write little stories. My favorite um class was writers workshop and um, I just decided one day that I wanted to write a book. So I just sat down and well I sort of I sat down and I was like, Oh, I like this. I wanna create it into a book or keep writing about um on this topic.
1: Sure. This 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 book title always will where did that title come from, and what does it represent to you?
2: Um well, in um the final few pages of the book, um, uh, this um this always will like well, this always will theme sort of is throughout the book where um where um her love for um the main character Theo um will always um be there, and she'll always love him and so um I just thought that it the book perfectly because that's a like a major theme and um, and um always will uh, that love will last love lasts forever. Love last now forever.
1: would you would you refer to this as a romance novel or as an adventure and a mystery? how would you describe it
2: it's um Romance and coming of age, sort of. Um, um, uh, being comfortable with who you are and finding yourself.
1: Your main character is that Kenny, or is it Theo, or who is what's the name of your main person? Or Kennedy? Perhaps. Kennedy. Kennedy. And is that a that's a a uh, you describe her as a thirty year old nanny to five privileged sisters. Uh, the character in your novel is she thirty years old, or is she younger than that when the novel begins?
2: When uh, when the novel begins, she is 30, but she tells um, her five, um, whom she refers to as the five um, girls that she um, nannies, uh, the story of um, her love with Theo, and um, then she is in high school. So it goes back and forth for when she's 30 and
0: when she's in high school.
1: I was wondering how that how that would be possible uh, for a, and I, I will divulge your age, which normally I wouldn't do, but you are just a fifteen or sixteen, not quite sixteen yet, fifteen, when you have completed this, and and how you would have uh, the the insight of an older character, but uh, is it your imagination or is it uh, that you're a good observer of people and human nature?
2: <laughs> um, I would say both. I I love. Um watching movies and reading books and just people watching and listening to conversations. So, but I also have a really big imagination, and so I think I kind of pulled from both areas.
1: Do you do you journal or keep notes of things that happen around you and uh, intend to maybe put them in written form at some later date?
2: Yeah, um, I journal I sometimes, but mostly I... I, um, recall memories constantly for when things, like, things,
1: um, spark them. Fascinating. This novel, who would be your target audience? Is this uh, directed towards uh, readers your age or in your category, or would it be a little older read?
2: It would definitely, definitely be, um, my age probably starting at, say, 12, um,
1: 12 to teenager years. Have you had an opportunity to get feedback from friends, relatives, strangers uh, about your writing style?
2: About Always Will?
1: Always Will, and uh, perhaps even your first novel. I'm curious about your responses you've been getting from that. Oh,
2: yes. Um, So, my friends are so supportive, and they have siblings, and the siblings have read them, and... I would say the siblings of my friends are um, I would say more um, obsessed over the books than uh, my friends but um, just because um, they're I don't know, they're just cute but (laughs) um, I get a lot of uh, comments about how the two books are so um, different from each other because one's um, about the Holocaust and then Always will is a um, is a love story, so I I hear that a lot.
1: Is there any humor in your book, or is it really serious?
2: In Always Will, there um, I tried I tried to make it a little more funny um, uh, than Nearly Alive, which is the book about the Holocaust. Um, that one's kind of serious and um, yeah
1: and and you mentioned the holocaust which is a, a very uh, an amazing part of history and you wrote mm-hmm. that at a young age uh how did you become curious about or interested in the history and uh, want to share a story about that
2: so um our family lived in um europe for nine months and during that um trip we got to experience um visiting auschwitz the concentration camp, and um, my two siblings couldn't um, continue with going through it, so my mother and I walked um, through the rest of the camp, and I was just so taken aback from everything that had actually happened, because I'd known of the Holocaust, but it kind of had it really didn't, um, like, take a solid form of this actually really happened to people, and after visiting not only auschwitz but around europe where um world war iI and the holocaust was um, such a big part of their history um i just became so fascinated with it and um we also um for school we read um the book number the stars and um it sort of it inspired me to um take um take this uh take this um
1: like the atrocity and just um, um it's, uh, creative story out of it. It's, ama- it's amazing that someone of uh, of a youth of eight, nine, ten years old would be uh, focused on something like that and be able to transfer that into a a written novel for people to read and get educated at the same time. This particular one always will. Take a couple of uh, sentences or maybe paragraphs and if you're introducing this to, uh, let's say you meet someone at the mall and they find out you've written a book, describe Always Will to them and to me and to my listeners.
2: Um, okay, well, Always Will is a story. It's um, a romance, but it's also about finding yourself and being comfortable with who you are. As Kennedy um, as a 30-year-old woman, she's sort of hid, the main character, she's um, hid from her past and run away from it, but these five girls that she babysits bring it out, help her realize who she is and who she can become, and then she um, she has a falling out with them, and she goes off and she um, follows her dream of becoming an author, um, but before that she had told she had told the story of um her her past and her first love but she didn't finish and so she decided um, and so um but they but during the story the five girls um help kennedy realize um that anything is possible and um that maybe her
1: first love won't be her own love. Fascinating that you have that uh, that uh, thread of uh, of uh, mature love mm-hmm. woven through your your novel. Is, was there a challenge in in writing this, getting it com- getting it completed? How long did it take Lale to get this uh, this done?
2: Um, this novel took a year to complete, and it was very challenging because um, I. Sometimes I would just suffer from major writer's block, and um, it's hard to sit down and make yourself do it. But once you do, it um, things just sort of flow out for me, flow out of me. And um, but I did have a tough time. But my family and my teachers um, would always um, support me and help me actually get to the to the computer and sit down and write.
1: Any long-term goals that you uh, have yet to achieve?
2: Um, gosh, I don't know. Um,
1: Is there a possibility guess, this this might be turned into a maybe a, a an after-school movie of the week or something of that nature? Did you think that might be of uh, of interest to you?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I love to write, so I I see myself in a. Of oh, uh, in writing uh,
1: position somewhere. <laughs> Excellent. This book and the novel is titled "Always Will," and our author, Alay Mazi, has joined me from the Phoenix area. Thank you for joining me today. My listeners will want to get a copy of this and uh, learn a little, little more of of your writing style. How do they find out about your books and get a copy?
2: Um. I believe it's on Amazon.com and um, the publisher, Author House, um, as well, online.
1: And is your first novel also uh, released under the same name, under your name, Lale Mozzie? Yes. All right, let me spell that for my listeners. L-A-L-A-E, first name. The uh, second name in her pen, or her nom de plume, is Mozzie, M-O-Z-I-E. And if you do a search under those two names, you'll find not only this novel, Always Will, but the one that she's already penned and any that may come in the future. Thank you, Lalay, for joining me today. Thank you. My pleasure. For Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker.
0: You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages.
3: Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything.
0: Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Authorhouse. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world.
1: Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled The Man in the Moon. And our author, Elizabeth E. Woods, joins mm-hmm. me from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the program, Elizabeth.
4: Thank you. Here I am.
1: Well, pleasure to visit with you. You have uh, written a book that looks like, at least from preliminary looking, that it may be directed towards children. It's 32 pages of brightly illustrated or positively illustrated uh, uh, material. Share a little bit of uh, the story of The Man in the Moon.
4: Yes, uh huh. Well, uh, you know, when I was a child, uh, well, we used to know about the man in the moon all the time. My mother used to say when I say my prayers that the man in the moon, uh he helps God look over us. But, you know, today you never hear the children mention the man in the moon. They never talk about him. So I thought it was time to bring him back to light again. And so that's what started. I had started writing in 1997, mm. and I had written two manuscripts then. But then a tragedy struck the family, and I just put the book away, and I never picked up a pen again for four years. Wow. And then, of course, I had another tragedy uh three or four years later, and the same thing happened again. I put the book away, the manuscripts away, and I never picked it up for four years. So now I'm I'm back. <laughs> I'm back on time.
1: You're back on track, and and uh, your yes. background besides uh, wanting to to write this book that would be an inspiration to children.
3: Yes. what
1: What other uh, writing have you done, or is there anything else that has been uh, creative in your life?
4: Yes. Like I said, I really started back in 97. I wrote two manuscripts completely. Uh, One is uh, called The End of the Rainbow, and the other one is called Along Came a Genie. And as I said, tragedy struck, and I put them away, and I never looked at them again for four years. Right. Yes, uh huh, I, I have several, I hope to have five books in the stores by the end of this year.
1: Oh, incredible, incredible. I
4: have, I have two more waiting for my, illustri- for my illustrator right now to start on, and that will make three, and then I have two more waiting for her when she's through with that
1: that's that's amazing now, your close friends are and I'm going to assume that I might be considered at least a temporary close friend uh, refer to mm-hmm. you as miss betty now miss betty when yes. when did you uh, you started this in ninety seven uh, you completed yes, this how, I did. How, how long did it take to write the the actual manuscript
4: well really it didn't take uh, it didn't take very long it only took longer because i didn't uh do it i had other things that i had to take care of and sure. uh, but i would say it would have taken no more than about uh a month and a half
1: month and a half your book mm-hmm. deals with a man in the moon how would you describe your book if uh, if you were to describe this to someone that's listening right now that can't see the beautiful illustrations what would you say about your book
4: well i would say that uh, the things that give me joy in writing, it would be like if a child was home on the weekend and it was raining and he couldn't go out and play. Then he would reach up or she would reach up on the shelf and pull one of my books down and curl up on the sofa and enjoy just reading. I read, I write not to teach, uh, the children anything. I write for pure enjoyment. I want them to enjoy the illustrations and enjoy reading my books. And so that, that puts joy in my writing.
1: Yes. Do you think that this is a book that parents will be able to use to, to read to their children and, and, uh, share some special times with them?
4: Oh, yes. I have, uh, I have about, uh, 200 friends here in Philadelphia that uh, I know very well, and they have all bought the books, and they love they love the book. And I have friends who come here to my place and sit down. I have I have a book, a copy on my coffee table, and they pick it up, and and I notice. They go back and forth, back and forth, reading and looking at at, at the illustrations in there, and they will tell me, oh, Betty, oh, this is so beautiful. The illustrations are just magnificent, and your wordings are so sweet for children. That makes me happy when I pick up my pen to write something for children to hear them say that.
1: Is all of your writing in poetic form? I'm noticing that your your words are rhyming in your book.
4: No, no, they're not. That only happened after that. I never started writing in poetic form. My two books are, are short stories. All my books are short stories. But I just came up, to, I wanted the children now to start talking about the man in the moon. So I made it short and sweet, hopefully for them, you know? Sure. And and so uh, that's that's what I write for. I write for pure enjoyment.
1: Did you ever uh, aspire to maybe be recognized like Dr. Seuss, because there is some rhyming in your book?
4: Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I would be very happy to be recognized (laughs) like Dr. Seuss. Right. Everybody knows Dr. Zeus. Absolutely. So uh, that would please me very much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One of your sentences, I can ski on snow, skate on ice, even go around the rink once or twice. Sounds a mm-hmm. little susy to me. You enjoyed this, obviously. Your illustrator did a wonderful job as well. How did you find the illustrator?
4: Even my publisher, even my publisher asked me, "Uh, Betty, where did you find her? I checked, my daughter found her on the internet. She belongs to World World's uh, Society Children for. Uh, writers and illustrators, and she found her. Well, she said, he said, this is my publishing, you know they have their own illustrators. They do. And Yes, and, and he said, well, <clears throat> you were very fortunate. She, she does beautiful, extraordinarily beautiful work.
1: Absolutely, and I'm mm-hmm. guessing because of that uh, strong relationship you've had on this first attempt that perhaps uh, the next one or two may have her touch as well.
4: Oh, yes. Yes, she's waiting. In fact, I have two manuscripts. I'm getting ready to send her in another week. So she'll have two, and then I have two more waiting for her when she finishes that. So like I said, I hope at the end of the year, I will have four or five books in the stores.
1: Exceptional, are you? Uh, are you thinking of doing perhaps a, a short novel at some point? These are more directed for the younger audience. Uh, how? Old yes.
4: Are oh, yes, yes, uh, yes. So uh, I have started while she's working on my short manuscripts. I am working on a four book series called Cobby, and uh, it's four books, and each book rec- represents one year. And everything happens in the four years. And, of course, at the end of the fourth year, all the secrets in the town come out. And it's about a corn cob doll. Now, this I know about because I had one.
1: Uh-huh.
4: And her fairy godmother turns her into a beautiful little girl because she has a mission in life for her. And that takes up the four books. And that starts when she starts high school.
1: Have you always been an imaginative person, creative? Oh
4: yes, oh yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's that's one thing I do have. I used to, I love love to watch the clouds. When I was a child, I would just watch the clouds and see them go by, each other, past each other, and I could look up there and I could make stories up about the clouds and what's happening in the clouds. I've seen horses and animals and birds and people and everything moving around and trucks and everything, Mm. all from the clouds up in the sky. I'm a cloud watcher. (laughs) Most people are people watchers. I watch them too, but I'm really a cloud watcher. I've been so interested in the clouds. So, uh, yes. That's you draw true.
1: inspiration from there. I've noticed because your your accent or your, I won't call it a Southern drawl, but there is something else there besides Philadelphia in your history. Oh,
4: you recognize that too?
1: Oh, absolutely.
4: Everybody <laughs> recognizes that too. Well, I left the South. I was born in Sumter, South Carolina, but I left that when I was five years old.
1: Did you really? Mm. Well, and
4: I still have that little
1: you, accent. Well, you have the accent and the charm. I will. I will say the Southern folks have a, just a gentle way about them and a creative uh, approach to life that is engaging. Uh-huh. And I think you uh-huh. have that.
0: Yeah.
4: How about that? You recognize that in my voice, and everybody does. Yes, they do. And that's the first thing they ask me. Where <laughs> were you born? I said, South Carolina.
1: South Carolina. You've, uh-huh. writ- you've written a charming book, and one that uh, parents and grandparents will enjoy reading to their children, and also children will enjoy reading.
3: The yes, book is titled yes, The Man
1: in the Moon. And our author, Elizabeth Edwards, let me spell that for you because it's yes. a little bit unique, E-D-W-O-O-D-S.
4: That's right.
1: Elizabeth, where do we get copies of your book?
4: Oh, uh, I have to order some uh, more copies because I've given out eight copies already to friends out. and uh, people who are in the school system and uh so they can spread it around. So I'm I'm getting ready to order some more copies now.
1: They also can do a search online and find this, "The Man in the Moon," Elizabeth Ed Woods, and uh, mm-hmm. Amazon will carry this and other fine booksellers around the yes. globe. Yes,
4: yes, uh, if- Amazon carries it. In fact, Amazon just shipped a load to the Ukraine. Oh, and fabulous! And I was surprised it, uh, that's uh, in Russia and Poland, and yeah, big ship just
1: went down there. Oh, incredible. Uh Incredible. Uh Well, best of luck on this book and also the one that comes in the future. I hope that we get an opportunity to share the stories behind those stories as well when they get published. Thank you for sharing uh, your history with me. Oh,
4: I hope so. Yes, I hope I enjoyed talking with
1: you. Enjoyed the visit. Thank you again for joining me today for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker.
0: You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world.
1: Readings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled "Kids to Cherish." Kids is spelled with a Z. The two is the number two, and cherish is just as it sounds. My author joins me from the East Coast, Andrew Collins. Welcome to the program, sir.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Pleasure to visit with you. You uh, have written other books. Uh, this is not a new experience for you, but share a little of your background. How did you become an author, and uh, why is this particular book perhaps different from your others that you've written?
5: Interesting um, question, and I'd like to get this in. The reason I'm talking with you today is because of something that happened to me as a high school senior in 1953. Mm. I wanted to go to college. Great parents gave me everything in the world uh, that parents can and should give, except they didn't have much money. I wanted to go to college. There was a contest, an essay contest, by a, a trucking company called Pilot, and I was to write about the value of the motor trucking industry to my state which was South Carolina. And my mom was a journalism major, and she tutored me pretty well. And here is the sentence that won that scholarship for me. In 1896, Henry Ford putted down Detroit's Bagley Avenue in the funny little machine with a leather belt drive. It completely revolutionized transportation. Mm. Sure, the rest of my essay was like everybody else's, but we had a great hook at the start, and really uh, that launched me into the joys and the, and the productivity of writing.
1: That's a, that's a good start for sure. I, uh, Having been in the advertising business, writing uh, copy and, and other things, that's a, a wonderful hook. Uh, that you have created on your first endeavor. Yeah.
5: Did yep. that lead... worked long and hard on it, Jay. I'm sure. And uh, finally came up with that, and there's little doubt in my mind that that set me apart from all of the other entries.
1: The book that you've written is uh, this particular one, Kids to Cherish, is uh, around 172 pages or 170 pages or so. This is uh, directed specifically for children, is it not?
5: Yeah, I say for uh, kids and youth, I think I think it will appeal to about ages 5 to 12 uh, and the the format would be this I think the 5 maybe to 7 year olds would really enjoy it with an older person reading it aloud to them. And and we all know that reading aloud to kids when they're young is a great way to launch a a super education. So anyway, the younger kids probably would need to be read to the maybe eight to twelve-year-olds. It's large print. I think they would be able to read it themselves.
1: You have uh, multiple sketches in your book and the artist is Andy Carver. Looks like perhaps a younger artist.
5: Yeah, she's 14 at the 14. time, yeah, happens to be one of my grandchildren, I it and she be. loves art. She's going to be going to the College of Charleston to study art, and uh, she's 17 now. And anyway, she loved doing these sketches, and of course, she read the book, knew the stories, and she interpreted with the sketches that she put in.
1: Spectacular. How long did it take you, Andrew, to, to complete Kids to Cherish?
5: I was working, still working, as an orthodontist at the time, so I wrote evenings, spare times, uh, whenever I had an opportunity. Actually, it took me about a year to to, to write it and edit it and get it just like I wanted it.
1: You've written other books as well. Share with my audience some of your diverse interests besides this particular book.
5: Well, uh, the first two books um, are fiction novels, of the, uh, the very first one titled "Guild of Honor" and it's uh, the the theme of it is golf, but um, hmm. people that try to rig the outcome of professional tournaments. They have a way that they can rig who wins. Really? The second is um, uh, is no other gods. And it's not religious. Gods uh, is an acronym for something having to do with the technology, but it uh, it's uh, the theme words for it are genetic alterations gone awry. Fascinating. It's about, it's about um, a a treatment for mental illness where you change the the genome of the person, and it works absolutely wonderfully, but there's an awesome side effect and that's what drives the novel.
1: Fascinating. You have uh, obviously an imagination and as you've uh, described a diverse interest uh, portfolio. Kids to Cherish. How would you describe this? What is the fictional novel about?
5: I say that it's a, a fun to read wholesome book about kids adventures. It has action, it has bravery. It has humor. It has drama. So it's a chapter book. There are eight chapters, and each chapter is a new experience for three kids. Their ages are uh, eleven, nine, and seven.
1: Your main character is it a uh, who who is or what is the name of the main character? Is that Nellie?
5: Yeah. Well, uh, no. The main character. Uh, his real name is Edward, but because of brave acts and. Good things that he accomplishes uh, in his environment. Uh, they, the town, pretty much comes up with calling him Edward the
1: Good. And where is it set?
5: Uh, it's in the southeast, uh, uh, southeast Myrtle Beach, and also there's a chapter that takes place in Moscow, in Russia.
1: Fascinating. You uh, obviously have a, an, an imagination to uh, to write a story like this. Um, And you've described the ideal student there or or individual that might enjoy this. Is there anything about this that is going to be too intense for an older or for a younger group? I'm sorry.
5: Not really it has uh, it has there 's a ghost story in it, but obviously it 's humorous fright and I think the kids would really enjoy it it's it 's almost comical fright, so no it there 's nothing intense uh that would that would frighten a kid. I think they would find it it's inspirational I think they would find it a lot of fun. It's based on stories that I told to three grandchildren over 20 years ago. Mm. I'd pick them up on a Friday, and we'd go out together, and the favorite thing that they did, besides eating lunch or going to a movie, was ask me to tell them some stories. And, of course, (laughs) I made up the stories and told them. And as kids often do, Jay, they would want the same story told maybe three or four times in a row three or four weeks in a row. They just couldn't they, – they loved it. And one of the reasons they really loved it is the characters were alter egos of themselves. Hmm. So they, they knew that these characters were basically just like them, and obviously the attraction to the
1: stories. The, you have mentioned that you these are stories that you told in the past – is it just that you have a phenomenal memory and can remember the stories and were able to transfer those into print, or did you sit down and have to go through it from step one to step five all over again?
5: Good question, Jay. When you've told a story maybe ten times, it's pretty much pretty burned high. into your brain. <laughs> and so they, they would want me—let me take me one of the stories— Uh, is something true that really happened. I had them strapped in the back seat, all three of them, and we were going to lunch and do our usual thing. And the little girl, Nellie, hands the uh, stuffed animal forward and and says, Da could... Turtly Wordly help you drive the car? Well, I take the turtle and put its little hands under mine, and then, of course, I've got to have Turtly Wordly do something interesting. So he jerks <laughs> the steering wheel a little bit, and I tell him, Turtly Wordly, you can't jerk the steering wheel. We might get hurt. Well, he, the kids just giggle and scream, says, you know, do that again. So I'm jerking the wheel just a little bit, being very, very careful, of course. Well, blue lights flash behind us, and we're pulled by a trooper. And uh, the kids are frightened to death in the back at that point. They're not saying a word. And, of course, I tell him what's happening. I show him turtle Wordly and he, he says, well, you go on about your way, but I just suggest you don't do that type of driving anymore.
1: <laughs> don't <laughs> let Turley-Wordley drive. Mm. <laughs> I got the message. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. You, uh, you have uh, a career already as an orthodontist, and... It's interesting that you also feel a, a desire to to write. Have you always been a creative?
5: Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. I have. Uh, I have several patents. Uh, I, I patented a, a basketball game. That's a version of, of miniature golf. There were t- uh, twelve different shooting situations that I designed. Had it open in Myrtle Beach for about. Uh, eight years, and eventually wow. sold it. But the joy for me was not owning an amusement business. It was creating it and then moving on to something else.
1: Incredible. What is the first novel or first author that you recall reading as a child or a young person?
5: Uh, gee, oh, no question. And it's referenced in the book. Um, uh, you And you're familiar with this. Uh, Anna Sewell's book, Black Beauty, mm. Where the Horse Does the Talking. Absolutely. Oh, I love that book. I still have a copy of it. I couldn't get enough of it. I probably read it five times.
1: I hope it's a first edition.
5: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. You know, it's about one hundred and forty years. Old.
1: I know it is. It's it is yeah. an older older novel. Uh, that's. Have you received any personal advice uh, growing up? You uh, you may have received advice from a parent or or someone that has stuck with you. That you are either purposely passing along, or perhaps in the underlying messages that came through in the stories you've told?
5: Well, I I say that the framework of this book is how I grew up. Uh, A mom, a dad, the kids all living together. We always ate our meals at a table together. Mm. I was encouraged to do things like uh, join Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and be part of my church. So uh, I think a, a clear framework in the book is how how blessed and rewarding it can be to have a, a really great family unit that supports you through all types of situations in your life.
1: Any hopes that some of these stories may make it onto the uh, silver screen or into animation?
5: <laughs> I don't, my aspirations are not that high, Jay. Uh, I, basically, I write for the for the fun and the joy of it. It's a great escape for me. A lot of the lot of my writing I do when I'm out running. I'll take a little pad with me. And uh, I've run uh, 14 marathons. But anyway, in training for those when you're out by yourself, it's great creative time. And I take a little paper and write notes about things, and then maybe I'll come back right away and write a chapter or a story based on my, uh, my conceptions during the run.
1: Wonderful. Now, oh, Andrew, you said you were an orthodontist. I wouldn't think an orthodontist needs a lot of extra income from writing books. Uh, do you just feel like you need to pad the uh, retirement?
5: Jay, one of the great things about my writing is I don't have to um, get all in a wad about trying to make money <laughs> from what I do. So, Wonderful. um uh, a, a kind of a deal I made with myself when I very first got started. If if I would be blessed to have works that I create that would be attractive to people, then I would uh, contribute all, uh, all of the proceeds from my writing to some charitable endeavor. And, for example, some of the things I've given money to over the years are uh, Boy Scouts, uh, Meals on Wheels, um I give several situations at my church. So, anyway, a Habitat I've given money to. So, any any monies that I net uh, automatically goes to charity. And I'm so happy that I can do that.
1: Well, that's beautiful. Uh, listeners, there's another reason you should buy his book, Kids to Cherish. This book, I love the title Kids, K I D Z 2, the number 2, Cherish. And the author, Andrew Collins. Andrew. My listeners need to get a copy of your book and share it with their families. Where do they get copies of Kids to Cherish?
5: Yeah, they can go directly to uh the um the author house website, it's authorhouse.com. Uh they can also get it at Amazon.
1: And uh, any possibility that you have uh, developed or are developing a website?
5: Yes, I have a website and uh I created it myself and other of my creative endeavors. I like to do things like that. But anyway, people can access that in all caps. It's H O X O X O H dot com. And when you look at that, Jay, it's a perfect palindrome. It's exactly the same forward, backward, upside down and mirrored. So another <laughs> of my creative crazy
1: thing one of those things that you uh have done to create havoc with the readers i mean with the author no, no actually they, yeah. can, they can access your website and and also yeah. keep in touch with this book and others that you may write in the future they can do a search under your name a last name spelled c-o-l-l-i-n-s just like it sounds not with a z like kids is uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> thank you andrew for sharing your story fascinated by uh, by your career and by your authorship. Thank you for joining me today. Jay, thanks very much. My pleasure for author talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker.